Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Um, a couple of years ago, as a church, um, we decided to um, do a little bit more, be a bit more intentional in our missions uh, endeavours and missions giving. Church has always had uh, a vision for missions, uh, but a couple of years ago, we decided to just be a bit more intentional uh, about missions. One of the things we decided as a church, as a leadership, that we would give uh, 10% of our offerings would, would go towards missions. And so um, that was a decision uh, that we made. Uh, we believe what the Bible says about, you know, Jesus said to his disciples go and make disciples of all nations and we want to we want to be a part of what God is doing throughout the world and we thank God for what he's done in our church and our local church but we certainly want to uh, do our part uh, in terms of what God is doing throughout the world and so as part of that uh, we made a decision to support uh, two or three missionaries and so um, uh, we've got um, couple in Lombok that are doing a great work at the moment and also uh, we're also uh, looking after a couple, a couple that are doing some work with the Wycliffe Bible Translation and we also have Malcolm and Linda Bayless who we've made a decision to support sometime last year as well and uh, they're here with us today and they're going to be sharing this morning about some of the work that they're doing uh, in, um, in, in Through the World Outreach Organisation. Uh, Malcolm and Linda have been pastors of a church, an AOG church in New Zealand for many years. Uh, they've also been missionaries in Indonesia and they served for about eight years there. And now they're working at a, as a coordinator kind of role within uh, World Outreach. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. And um, so they're doing just a great work. Uh, I read this morning a scripture in uh, Philippians, which uh, where Paul was talking about a couple of ladies in the church, Iodia and Syntyche, some great names there to name your children, by the way. Uh, and uh, and he, Paul says, they labored at my side for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that phrase kind of struck me because there are people who are, who are laboring for the cause of Jesus Christ. There are people that leave the comforts of their home and their country and family and so on because they, they, wanna, they wanna see the kingdom of God advance. And I, I have so much respect for people like Malcolm and Linda who have made that decision, heard a call from God and, and taken a step of faith to, to, to be involved in missions. And so they have absolute respect for people like them. And so glad to be able to hear from them this morning and hear from their hearts. So uh, I just want you to give them a warm welcome as they come. Linda is going to come first and, and share a little bit about what they do. And then ba and Malcolm is going to come and share the word. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you today. It really is great to be here with you today, and we are so grateful and uh, thankful for your support for what we do. I'm just going to share a little bit of, uh, of what we do do for World Outreach International. I know many of you have already met Bruce Hills, our international director. Um, just firstly, um, sorry, that hasn't come out very well, apparently. Um, we have three children. We are from New Zealand. Our three children are married, uh, live in New Zealand, and we have two grandchildren who are the delight of our lives as well as our children. Um, and we have just been able to spend two months in New Zealand, uh, itinerating around churches and those who support us, but also having time with our family, which has been really, really precious time. Um, World Outreach is an organisation that focuses on least-reached people groups. Now, that means there's not a church like this wherever in those places. 
Um, we are in 80 nations. We have missionaries in 80 nations and working in 150 people groups. Most of those are least reached. That means they can't evangelize themselves because there's not enough Christians. There isn't a church strong enough to, um, to continue evangelizing and to grow and disciple. So that's the focus of world outreach. We're just not into evangelism because, but like Australia, there's lots of people that still need Jesus. But in world outreach, our focus is really on where the gospel has not been, a bit like in Star Trek. Okay. Um, we have, oh, it's my job, isn't it? I keep forgetting. We have over 600 workers um, throughout the world, and Malcolm and I's job is to actually oversee and give support to these people, to ensure that as an organization, they have the support. If you are going to Ethiopia, where we have a young couple that went last year, they can't go on Sunday morning down the road to Life Christian Church. They can't go to the prayer meeting or the Bible study on Wednesday night. It's not there. They've actually gone there to set those things up. So it's really important that we as an organization have support structures in place because we want people to last. It's not easy changing cultures and uh, change. Oh, I've gone too fast now. Um, so what we have, we have field leaders around the world who have responsibility for different people, different areas, different countries. And our job um, as field operations directors is to... Um, train these people to support them. They get problems and they come to us and there's lots of logistical things behind us. But we have this wonderful group of people, here's some of them, um, and we are looking to expand that as we expand into different areas as well. <coughs> Another area that we look after is um, inquiries that come in. So we have people that are looking after that. We have to oversight this. If you came and you said, yeah, I'm really interested in missions. I haven't a clue what to do. I had, had, don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. I don't know, um, should I finish my training or should I just go because the gospel is so important to go out. We have people that can help you do that. And uh, so um, Christina works with our inquiries. And then we also have applications. Maybe you've got through all that and you've done all the training you need and you're ready to go. And we have an applications department, which we oversee as well. Oops, I keep looking at mine and not, not realising I've changed that one. As I said, we have... Um, we have are focusing on least-reached people groups. And as an organisation, you've met Bruce Hills, it is not a top-down organisation. Bruce doesn't come along and says, right, we're off to um, Mogadishu and somewhere else and we will plant a church there and uh, now we're actually going to go over here and we're going to do that. A lot of what happens in world outreach comes up from the ground. People come along and say, I want to go work there. I want to start something there. Or our people that are already there say, we're going to go to all these other people groups. And so we have meetings once a year in different areas called regional vision teams where we get alongside the people from that country and say, what, how can we support you going to more people groups? For instance, we were in Thailand in October and um, working with a group there, and their heart is to contextualise the message. So we talked about how can they do it? How can they reach Thai Buddhists who think that it's, it's not cultural to become a Christian? Um, so that's one of the things that we do and work with. 
But also, if you're a new person heading off to maybe Ethiopia and you go and work with Nick and Emily in Ethiopia, you need some training. You wouldn't go to your dentist and um, think, oh, great, he was a mechanic before or, you know, he did it over there. Oh, he doesn't need any training. You want your, your um, doctors or your professionals to be trained, don't you? Missionaries need training as well. It just doesn't change over automatically what you do here in Australia to do in another country. And so we have a course called the Nations Course, which is run uh, once a year. And Malcolm and I have led that with a team of workers for the last 10 years um, and thought we'd finished. But um, now we've, had, we've trained leaders to take that over, but we actually are going to Rotterdam this next year, which is a new area we want to uh, open up in Europe. So we'd appreciate your prayers for that. Um, it's really, really important and really um, vital for those on the field. Um, another role I have separately is as child safety coordinator. We value kids. And uh, we value the safety of kids. And it's not just children's workers, it's everybody. If you're sharing the gospel, you need to know how to you relate with kids. You know, you're not just reaching um, the parents, but you're reaching kids as well. So that's one of the jobs that I've done over the last few years, training, doing policy work and, and things like that. But we would really value your prayers. Um, <coughs> we have, um, we've had to redo visas this year, and it has been exactly what those songs have said. It has been a stretch of faith. We needed hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this visa, and we're missionaries. We don't have that sort of money. Um, we have now provisional acceptance for our visa, but I'd really value your prayers. On Thursday, our agent is going to take our medical insurance to immigration and see if they will approve it. They've already turned it down once, and we've had to look for another one, which is the top prayer need. Um, Malcolm had cancer a few years ago, and he's totally cleared, but no Malaysian, which is where we live, no Malaysian uh, medical insurance will um, insure him. And um, so we've had to go global, which about triples the cost. But just please play on Thursday, because we really need this approved. Otherwise, we are going home in March, and it is crucial. So please pray for us with that. Um, we are busy, and we really appreciate your prayers that God will speak to us about what is the most important things to focus on. You all know you can get busy, but we want to do what God really says. We travel a lot. And um, our health and well-being, it's very easy to get sick with different things. So just that, keeping up strength is really important. And just again, um, we are in need of more financial support. Please just pray. You have this card. And um, it is, put it on your fridge. We just stick it there. You open the fridge. Please pray. Just Anything you think of, a five, two-second prayer, just please bless them. And we know that it is so important. We feel the prayers of people supporting us. And so we just really do want to say thank you. It is a partnership. It is exactly what Pastor Joe just said before about standing behind. And as we help those right across the globe, so are you. You are actually impacting millions of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might think your $2 a week or your $5 or maybe your hundreds, I don't know, doesn't do anything. But it impacts so many people so that they can stay and share the gospel with others. So we really appreciate it and thank you very much.
Well, good morning, everyone. <coughs> it's so good to be here with you, and we've been looking forward to this time to come to Adelaide, not only to meet you all and be part, um, come, um, come to this church service, but also to come to Adelaide, because we've never been to Adelaide before. And we've, we're really enjoying, we're here for about four days, and we're in, really enjoying our time here. So as Linda said, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it, and we, we value it greatly. So thank you. About just over 2,000 years ago, there were four men who were fishermen. It was, uh, there, were two, there were two sets of brothers, and one uh, set of brothers was named Simon and Andrew, and the other two brothers were named James and John. This story may be familiar to you, but I'd like to see if I can take a little, um, present a little bit of a different take on it. They were fishermen, but they were, often we look at fishermen and we, we, we uh, the fishermen in the Bible, and we think that they were weak, poor, no hopers, and so on and so forth. But the Bible actually, Bible research shows that they, it's, it's, that's not true. These men, first of all, to be a fisherman, they would have had to have some muscles because they go out there and they throw their nets. They don't just have a rod, but they throw their nets and they pull them in and they throw them and they pull them so they get a workout every morning. So they got muscles, they, got, they were burly looking, and, and, but they were also good businessmen because they would fish, they would get their haul of fish and then they would pull them in and then they would have to sort their fish, go to the market, they would have had to have known what, price this type of fish is and what type price this type of fish, is, fish was. And so they would, would have been, they would have had a little bit of business now up here. The Bible also, research also shows that they would have had to have spoken three languages because they would have had to have traded with the, the various nations around. So they would have been able, they would have had to have been able to trade with those people. They were also skilled with their, with, with, um, at their trade and they were successful men. And you know, these people, we often think they just go out, go out on their boats and throw their lines out and wait for the fish. But they would, they would rise very early in the morning, way before the sun had risen. And they would gather together on the shores of Lake Galilee and they would meet their workmates and their family members and those they were going to go out to fish with. And they would load everything up into the boats and off they'd go. They'd push their boats onto the water and they would patiently cast their nets on, onto the water, into the water, pull them in, and they would fish, sometimes for hours. And sometimes without success. Because we know that in the Bible there was one time when they did fish all night without success. Other times they would catch a large haul. And once they were finished in the heat of the day, and think about it in Adelaide, uh, climate. I think two days' time, the high is going to be around about 40 degrees. Imagine them coming in at 40 degrees on their boat after fishing all six or seven or eight hours, and there they are coming in, sweating, tired, exhausted. And they would return to the shores, pull their boats up on the, on the land, and they would unload the fish in the nets, and they would begin to sort the fish. Some of them would be salting the fish for preservation because they would be taking, taking to a, 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 um, a, um, a distant land. Other, one, other people would be sorting them and taking them straight to the market for selling. 
Other people will be looking at the nets for any breaches in the nets that occurred and repairing them. Other of them would be looking at the boats to see if anything happened that needed repairing as well. And so with this backdrop, I want you to imagine this setting. Simon Andrew, Simon and Andrew, James and John, they'd been fishing and they returned with their haul, their catch, and they were cleaning up and making sure that everything was ready for the next day's work. Jesus comes along. He walked up to Simon and Andrew and he said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now the Bible says, immediately they left their fish, their boats, and their nets, and they followed Jesus. Then they walked up further up the beach together, and they came to where James and John were. And the Bible says that they were with their father Zebedee and also the hired men. And he calls them the same way. Again, the Bible says they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. You know, that morning, when they got up, maybe three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, to go out fishing for the day, they had absolutely no idea that that day would bring a change that would impact their lives and the lives of their family forever. Change. It's a funny word, isn't it? I was saying to Pastor Joe just before the service that change, we, often we, we say that we don't like change, but most of us do like change because I think most of you aren't wearing the same clothes yesterday as you did yesterday. So you've changed your clothes. We're quite accustomed to change. The thing we don't like about change is how it is imposed upon us. But change happens to us all. And this year, we're in the second Sunday. I think it's the second Sunday of this year. The second Sunday of this year. And 2019 is ahead of us. And if you go, it's going to be over. Isn't that the way it happens? This year is sure to have changes in it for every one of us. And some of those changes, maybe you already know because you're planning some of those changes. Maybe it's a change of job. Maybe it's a change of, maybe, maybe you're going to have a family. And I don't know what those changes are. Some of, some of us know what those changes are. But, but there's going to be a lot of things happening in our lives this year that we do not know are going to happen. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions this morning. But... Whatever happens this year, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? No matter what changes happen, will you follow Jesus? It's a question that you and only you can answer. And what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Yeah, we read in the Bible, it says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He goes up to um, Levi, the tax collector, in another scripture, he says, follow me. And he left everything and followed Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And what does it mean to follow Jesus today in 2019? And I want to share with you three things that I know there's a lot of aspects to following Jesus, but I believe these three things are very important and I want to share them today because I think that they could... Um, 
bless you and help you in your lives as you go through 2019. The first thing is surrender. To follow Jesus, we need to know what it is to surrender. Simon and Andrew and James and John, they were fishermen, as I said before. And from their trade, they received their income to provide for their families. And some Bible research says that fishermen were wealthy. Fishermen who owned their businesses in Bible times were actually quite wealthy. So they would have received their trade, uh, received their income for their trade uh, to provide their families for their families. They had successful businesses, and they would have had plans. Who knows? They for their family, they may be going to relocate from one side of the town to the other, or build a house, or who knows what those plans were. But they would have had plans for their business and for their family, and they surrendered their security. To Jesus. When he said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he's, they were surrendering who they were and what they were and what they did to follow Jesus. And I want you to think and ask yourself, What does Jesus or what is Jesus asking you to do? In what way does he ask you to follow him today? Just hopefully I can, yeah, that's good. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, And then Jesus said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. As I look at this verse and think of the word surrender, I see that surrender and the phrase deny himself and surrender are really the same thing. What does it mean to deny ourselves? It means to surrender. The phrase means to say yes to God and no to self. It means to humbly submit our will to God. And in, in today's terms, imagine um, for those of us or those of you who are in, in employment and working somewhere, can you imagine if you're having a bit of a, a struggle or a conflict with one of your workmates? And they just annoy you every time you see them. They say something to you and you just want to tell them a thing or two. And, you know, we're, we're a human, right? And we want to say something to them. We want to put them in their place. To deny ourselves means to look at what the Bible says. And it says to honor and love other people. So you speak softly to them. Even though inside I want to say, well, you just fill in the gap. It's to say, Yes to God and his word and the principles in his word and no to self. That's what it means. You put, you put it, that type of thing in whatever situation you're in, it means to humbly submit our will to God. And you know, it's a daily lifestyle. It says in this scripture, it says, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily thing that we have, uh, the, the lifestyle that we have as we follow Jesus. You know, the disciples... They said no to their occupation and all that that involved and yes to Jesus. Now, I am not saying that you, to follow Jesus, you need to go to your workplace tomorrow, hand in your resignation and walk away. I'm not saying that. God might require it of you, but I'm not saying that that's what it means. It might mean that for you. For Linda and I, we had to resign our position as pastors in the church in New Zealand and we had to say yes to 
following Jesus to Indonesia where we became missionaries. That's what it was for us. But it, whatever it is for you, it's saying yes to God and no to yourself. You see, surrendering something to Jesus does not necessarily mis- uh, mean losing it. Often we say, well, if I surrender it to Jesus, I surrender, surrender my future, I'm going to lose my future. That's not true. It, what it means, it means, just means that you hold on to it lightly. That you are willing to say no to self and yes to Jesus. You know, it might be a dream that you have. It might be a job. It might be a relationship. I can remember before I was married, I was in a relationship with another girl at that time because it was when I was a lot younger. And she was not that good for me. And I had to surrender that relationship to follow Jesus because I remember somebody came to my church and said, that woman is going to pull you down. So I said yes to Jesus and no to that girl. And I'm so pleased I did. So pleased I did. So it might be a relationship. It might be an attitude. It might be a spiritual discipline that needs to be developed. And it might be a habit that you need to form. Or it might be how you spend your money or your time. I don't know. Whatever it is in your life that you need to surrender. Or even a call to follow him in ministry. It's holding it lightly and surrendering it to him. Pastor Joseph, would you mind just for the illustration of this, the purpose of this illustration, could you just surrender me your wallet? (laughs) Everybody laughs. Wow, look at this. He's so compliant. Thank you. (laughs) Pastor Joseph has uh, surrendered me his wallet. And who has got hold of this wallet right now? Me, right? So whose wallet is it? But I've got it. It's in my hands, right? Whose wallet is it? It's Pastor Joseph's. <laughs> the money that's in this wallet, assuming there is some money in here. Whose money is it? But it's in my hands. Whose money is it? It's Pastor Joseph's. The credit cards in here, whose are they? The banks, but <laughs> Pastor Joseph's. The difference is, even though the money in this, the, the wallet and the, and the credit cards in here, they belong to Pastor Joseph, I have control. And that's exactly the same in our lives. It's our life, but we surrender it to Jesus and he has control. It's still our life. And I've been thinking about this over and over. God will never take control of our lives because he wants us to worship him willingly. Because if you have control of something, it means that you can stop it doing something. And so we, or if, if, when we give our lives to Jesus and if we lose our will, we, he can force us to worship him. And that's not going to happen until that day when he comes back. So, It's my money, it's my life, it's my possessions, it's my time, but I surrender it to him and he has control. Get the idea? Now, I want you to just observe this. This is not an illusion. I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Joseph. And you see that I did not take anything out. Okay? (laughs) 
Thank you. So it's the same when we surrender to Jesus. It's, it's, it's his. We give it to him. He give it, we give him control of it. And I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to surrender your future, your possessions, your income, your security to Jesus and follow him wherever he leads you? You know, for Linda and I, we surrendered it all to him when we left New Zealand to go to Indonesia. And then when we were in Indonesia, God then called us to work full-time with World Outreach, and we had to move to Malaysia. And we surrendered it step by step, daily. We denied ourselves, and we followed him. Now, that's not denying ourselves. We go, oh, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to give it. It's with joy, of course. We're following him, and we give. But we always make that choice. The second thing, to follow Jesus, it involves trust. The, scripture, the two scriptures here say that, and they're from our story about Peter, um, the, the four fishermen, is that it says, and at once they left their nets and they followed him. And then Mark 1.20, it says, without delay he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. And so these four people that were called, they immediately got up and they followed Jesus. Now, think about it. We often read and we think that they knew about Jesus, they knew who he was and his fame had gone throughout the, throughout the land. But this was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He was just a... Small name, a small name. People, they may have known a little bit about him. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They would have had to have trusted Jesus enough that he would make good his promise to make them fishers of men, to trust him and uh, to, to follow him. They would have had to have get, put their trust in him. You know, if you were standing at a bus stop here in Adelaide and you were just waiting for a bus and standing there and then somebody came up to you. You may have seen them in the supermarket. You don't really know who they were, don't know their name. You may have seen them before. Or you may know them very uh, not so well. If they came up to you and said, uh, follow me, would you? Why not? Low trust. True? Knowing what these men were surrendering their rights to, they would have had to have really trusted that Jesus, trust Jesus, that he was genuine. Because they were trusting him for their provision from now on. They were trusting him for their relationships and a new lifestyle. And so the second thing that I want to share with you this morning is when we follow Jesus, we need, it need, involves trust. And I want to ask you, in what way is Jesus asking you to trust him this morning? It might not be with your whole life, but what part of your life have you not trusted him? In relationships, for your income, for your provision, I don't know. But whatever it is, is there somewhere that some, some part of your life where Jesus is saying, follow me, follow me. See, follow, following somebody means that they're in front of you. You can't follow somebody if you're in front of them, right? It's just impossible. So that means in the context of our scripture here, following Jesus means that he's in front of us. And in the context of our lives, he's clearing the way, making sure it's safe. And I've, having Linda mentioned to you before that I, I, I had cancer. Five years ago, I had kidney cancer and I had a large, it was 
how big was it? Nine centimetre diameter cancer on my kidney. And I had to trust God. I had to just know, and they said, well, we'll get it out as long as it hasn't spread, you'll be fine. But I had to trust, I trust God that wherever he was going to take me, I was safe. So in the context of that, I was saying, I trust Jesus that even if I died on the operating table, I'm safe. Because in, the, in, the, in light of eternity, I am safe. If I died, I'm in a better place. So whatever happens in our lives, we're following Jesus and he's clearing the way, making sure it's safe and it's the right place to go. Following Jesus means that he's also in control of the journey so that no matter where he leads us, you are safe in his care. My son, one of my sons, is a, is a pilot for Air New Zealand. And, you know, when we get on, when we board planes, we sit in the seat behind the pilot. So, it, theoretically, whenever the plane takes off, we're following the pilot, right? Because he's in front of you. And, you know, we're, we're entrusting ourselves in the hands of the flight crew and the pilot and the captain that he will actually do what his training has taught him to do. And you can imagine if I got on a plane and my son is in the pilot seat and, and we take off and everything's going fine and then we hit this really severe turbulence and the plane is shaking and going around and, and it's up and woo, down. You know that feeling you get when a plane just drops out of the sky? Ever had that? And you're, woo, and, and you're starting to sweat and you're starting to pull the armrest up. Can you imagine if I, at that time, got up Walked up to the pilot's door and knocked in. I said, hey, son, shift, out the, shift aside, son, because I'm taking over. Would that be sensible? I wouldn't get that far, but, but you know, how often do we do that with Jesus? How often do we do that with God, where we surrender something to God and we give him control and we say, God, I trust you. And then tomorrow something happens, something goes wrong and we go, I'll take control back. We surrender to him. Things get tough. The ride gets rough and we take over again. And then we surrender to him. Surrendering to Jesus means that we have to trust him completely. That he will take us in the good place, to a good place. So the first thing is surrender. To follow Jesus is surrendering, an attitude of surrender in our lives. The second thing is trust, trusting him that he will lead us and guide us. The third thing is what I call partnership. You know, Jesus, when Jesus called Simon and Andrew, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He called these men with a promise of partnership. He didn't say... Follow me and I will fish men for you. You know, so often we think that we follow Jesus and he'll do everything else for us. But we actually have to work in the kingdom of God. And even if you look in, in scriptures right in the beginning in Genesis, that, that we were um, in the Garden of Eden, in the perfect land, man actually had to work. Actually had to do some work. And I believe, both Linda and I believe this, that when we get to heaven, we've actually got work to do. It's not going to be sitting on a cloud with music going. And Can you imagine a, a really um, a heavy metal harp band? 
It's not going to be like that. There's work to do. And so he called these fishermen with a promise, a promise of partnership. He promised something. They had to commit to a partnership, meaning that they also had to do something. Fish for men. And if we think about it, there's only one thing, the only thing that Jesus has done for us that we cannot add to or partner with is our salvation. See, the work of the cross is something that Jesus did on his own. He did it without us. We cannot add to it and we, we cannot make it better. Salvation is for all. It's complete. It's already complete. And all we need to do is believe and receive. But pretty much everything else that happens in our lives involves partnering or working with Jesus, partnering with him. Just some examples here. The first one is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we all know this voice, uh, the voice, verse. We all know this verse, Acts 1.8. says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. So we're given the promise of the Holy Spirit. But our part in that partnership is that we will be witnesses for Jesus wherever we go. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so we could sit back and we could just use it for ourselves. But it was to partner with him in bringing the gospel to those who have not heard. And we know that those verses... The Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You've heard the teaching about it's your, your local community, it's your neighbor, it's your family, your neighbors, and so on and so forth to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can see people come to know him. It's a partnership. The second verse, the example I want to share with you is the Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. We know this is the Great Commission. And it says here, and Jesus came to them and he said, All authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's the part that Jesus did here and what's the part we're to do? He said, I am with you. I will be with you wherever you go to the very end of the age. But you are to go and make disciples. So he promised his presence would go with us. And our partnership is that we would take his presence with us as we make disciples. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. Jesus' call to partnership always comes with a promise. He never said, I mean, he did say, go and make disciples of all nations. And if he said, go and make disciples of all, uh, all nations and um, come back to me and tell me how well you did, I think we would fail. But knowing that Jesus is with us, knowing that he's with us, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can go and we can go in that power and we can see and we can see miracles happen. Amen? Yeah. It's a partnership. 
And you look through the Bible, look through the, 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 the verses of the Bible, you see that partnership happening. Even in the Old Testament, there was partnership happening. And as, the peop- as, as people went forward, God came through with his part. In Esther, it talks about doing what we can do, only we can do, and letting God do what only he can do. Sometimes we just sit back and let God do what only he can do, and then we don't follow through. It's a partnership. So in what way is God asking you, or was Jesus asking you, to partner with him in your life? Only you can answer that, because I don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know the circumstances of your life. I'm looking out here and I'm thinking to myself, there would be just a myriad of, all, of difficulties, of problems, of, of good things, of bad things, and everything in between happening in your lives. But in what way do you need, what area of your life do you need to surrender to him this morning? What area of your life do you need to say, God, I trust you. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I, just, I just feel like I'm losing control and I just need to trust you in that area. Or what area are you, in your life where you need to say, God, I know you've done this for me and I've got this amazing heritage in my life. So now I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to use that heritage that you've given me to touch others. I don't know. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? See, change, going back to what I said at the beginning, change is inevitable this coming year. It's going to happen. But you know, one thing that won't change is Jesus. His promises stay the same and they will be fulfilled. When he said, I'll be with you, he didn't say, I'll be with you as long as you don't sin. I praise God for that. He says, I'll be with you. When he gave me the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, my Holy Spirit will be there and if you sin, I'll leave you. No, he didn't. That never changes. And so he never changes. The Bible says his love, his grace towards us is there yesterday, today and forever. Jesus is the same. And I'm so pleased about that because that means I can com- with confidence go into tomorrow. But what, in what way is Jesus asking you to surrender to him? What area is he asking you to trust him? In what way is he asking you to partner with him? Following Jesus is firstly a decision, but then it's a daily process. These men, the fishermen, followed him that day, but tomorrow was another day. They had to continue to follow him and continue to follow him. And It's a daily process. The verse about denying ourselves, it says, take up his cross daily. God, I'll follow you today. You know that song, I will follow you, or follow him, or whatever it is? It's you need to sing that song every morning if you're going to follow Jesus. Not literally, but you understand what I mean. It's a daily process. So today, will you follow Jesus? In 2019, will you follow Jesus? And what do you need to do today? What decision do you need to make today to follow him? I'd like to pray for you and just... I sense that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And I just want you, as an act of faith or an act of just 
doing something, if there's something that you need to surrender to him or if there's some area you need to trust him or there's some area you want to partner with him, as I pray, I want you to just lift your hands up. You just see yourself just handing that area over to God or saying, God, I trust you. I surrender that area to you. Oh, God, I will partner with you. I will do this. And if that's you this morning, as I pray, I want you just, just to raise your hand and just, um, just receive the prayer that I am praying for you. So let's just close our eyes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and thank you that you never leave us alone and that your Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go and you've given us your power, you've given us your great promises. We have great resources that come from heaven. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. And I just I pray for each person in this auditorium this morning, Lord, that you would help them to realize and know what it really means to follow you. And, Father, that those areas in their lives that they just know that they need to surrender to you afresh. I just pray that as we raise our hands, we're just, we're just surrendering those areas to you. Lord, we give you those areas. Give you those, our future, give you our plans, give you our dreams. Lord, we surrender them to you. They're still ours, but you're in control. And Father, we just surrender those areas to you. Father, we want to say that we want to trust you more. Father, we trust you. For those who here this morning who are in a situation that they, they're finding it very difficult, Father, I pray that you'd help them to trust you more. To just say, God, I trust you that you're leading me. Trust you that you're guiding me. Father, we just surrender. We raise our hands to you. We raise our lives to you. And Lord God, we want to say we want to partner with you. We want to partner with you this year to see your purposes come about. We want to see your kingdom come. So we just surrender ourselves to you. Today, Lord, we make that decision and we say, I will follow you. Tomorrow we'll say the same. But Lord, as we look ahead through this year, God, we will follow you. We will follow you through this year. So I pray, Father, that you will just bless everyone in this room, Lord God, in this auditorium, that you will be with them and you would show them how amazing you are, Lord God, that you would, you would bring about miracles in their lives. You will bring about, Lord, just openings, open doors and shut doors that are, that, that are not good, but the open doors that are amazing. Father, I pray that each person in this room, and when they get to the end of 2019, they will look back and say, oh, God was truly with us. This year, thank you, Jesus, and they will praise you. So, Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our lives to you, and we commit our year to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.